ओनो मित्र वरुण शो भवत्मांद्रो बृहस्पति शो विष्णुक्रम नमो ब्रह्मणे नमस्ते वायो प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्मसी प्रत्यक्ष ब्रह्म वदिष्यातम वदिष्यात्यम वदिष्यामवधु तद्वक्तावधु अवतु वक्ता शांतिशाशाशा सहनावो सहन सह वीकवह तेजस्वीतमस्तुम विद्वहै शांतिशाशाशा ओ यछंदमृषोस्वूप्योद्यमृतासंबूव समेन्द्रो मेधया स्पृणा अमृत देवधारण भूयास शरीर मे विचर्षण मे मधुमत्मकूरी विश्रुव ब्रह्मण कोशोसी मेधया पिता श्रुत मे गोपाय अहम वृक्षरिव कीर्ति पृष्ठंगिरेव ऊर्धपवित्रोवाजिनी वस्वृतमस्मे द्रविणगुंसवर्चसमेधा अमृत शंकोर्वेदाचनम ओ शांतिशाशाद पूर्णमुदच्यते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेव वशिष्य शातिशातिशातिस्मृतिपुरा आलय करुणाल नमा भगवत्दशंकोकशंकराचार्य केशव बादरायण सूत्रभाष्यकृत वंदे भगवतनशरो गुरुरात्मे मूर्ति भेद विभागिने व्योमद्याय 
दक्षिणामूर्त नम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अखंडम सच्चिदानंदम अवांग मनस गोचरम अवांग मनस गोचरम आत्मनमखिलाधारम आत्मनमखिलाधारम आश्रये भीष्ट सिद्धये आश्रये भीष्ट सिद्धये अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अर्थतोप्यद्वयानंदान अतीतद्वैतभानत अतीतद्वैतभानत गुरूनाराध्य वेदात गुरूनाराध्य वेदात सारम वक्ष्ये यथामते सारम वक्ष्ये असर्वूतायां रज्जौ सर्पारोपवत् वस्तुनि अवस्त्वारोप अध्यारोप इट वॉज सेड अर्लियर टीचर अनफोल्ड दिस नॉलेज टू दिस डिसाइपल बाय द मेथड ऑफ अध्यारोप एंड प्रवाद बाय द मेथड ऑफ सुपर इम्पोजिशन एंड देन रेफ्यूटेशन और निगेशन so this second chapter is now is devoted to explaining what is the nature of superimposition what is the nature of adhyaropa that superimposition is it it obtains presently what we experience all the kind of conclusions that we have drawn about ourselves and about the world and about the god all these conclusions that we have at the moment are based on what we call superimposition <coughs> therefore it is necessary to understand this phenomenon of superimposition so we will know how we have arrived at the various conclusions we have arrived at why we have the kind of problems that we have in order to explain our life our conclusions the situations and the problems is the purpose of discussion of what we call adhyaropa and once we understand that all the problems all the conclusions have arisen as a result of adhyaropa or superimposition then the problems will drop off so seeing the fallacy of our conclusions that's all when we say the world is unreal it means that the conclusions we have about the world are wrong or unreal when we say the jiva or the individual is unreal it means that the conclusions we have about ourselves are unreal <coughs> what is going to be shown in vedanta is the fallacy of the conclusions that's all vedantins have no interest in proving that a table is unreal etc i mean it does not exist but that my conclusion that the table is real that the table is stable well that is a conclusion then i appreciate the fact as a result of so first they will explain how the table came into being how the jiva the individual came into being how the world came into being this is what will be first explained this is called adhyaropa and then it will be shown how this conclusions that we have are are based on ignorance of the nature of reality and when we see the fallacy of our conclusions then they drop off and the truth becomes clear to us so ignorance is only in the mind and the knowledge also has to take place in the mind nothing happens anywhere by this knowledge nothing happens anywhere nothing happens to the world nothing happens to my body nothing happens to life nothing happens to anything some people are afraid that by this you know by this knowledge everything will be destroyed 
there is a Sanskrit commentary here, and there is Colonel Jacob who has edited this Sanskrit commentary. It's a very good, beautiful work, and he, is a great, he was a great scholar about a hundred years ago from today. And after studying Vedanta and, and in all the great details, he comes to the conclusion that the Shankaracharya did not know what he was talking about. Or that the Vedantists do not know what they are talking about in the sense that they are presenting Lord or Brahman, wherein one has to completely uh, dissolve oneself, that the individuality is totally lost. On the other hand, Christianity is so great that the individuality is, you know, it is, uh, there is an evolution or individuality is divinized or something like that. That, that shows how one cannot, may not understand the scripture, the intention of the scripture, in spite of all the study. That just shows how this knowledge has to be gained from a teacher, because when you dabble in that, uh, just on your own, then the conclusion that a person that presently has, those conclusions remain, and only in the light of those conclusions that one wants to study, or one wants to see what Vedanta or the Vedas have to say. Anyway, but nothing happens, nobody dies. And no destruction happens, because knowledge doesn't change anything. Knowledge really only reveals the nature of things the way they are. Ignorance just conceals the things or represents the things in, in a wrong way, and knowledge just reveals the nature of things as it is. And so, the only thing that knowledge does is, it just shows the, wherever the fallacy is, that just fallacy drops off. Our conclusions about ourselves, the conclusions about the world, conclusions about God, all of these are derived not on knowledge but on ignorance and those conclusions they will go we have the right perception of life Vedanta simply gives us the proper perception at the moment we have what we may call a distorted perception and it is a distorted perception which is the cause for all of our problems <coughs> the world is not the cause of the problem I am not the cause of the problem this body, mind, God nobody is the cause of the problem because there is no problem in that sense but it is a distorted perception, which really, it is a the, distort the perception is distorted, and therefore, I see things just different from what they are, contrary to what they are, and that is, that distorted perception is the source of all our problems. Therefore, a Vedantin is not interested in any action, or any becoming, or any happening. He's not looking at any happening. Like a scientist is not, is not looking at any happening. What will happen when I come to know a given object? No, I will know what it is. So what transformation, what changes will happen within me? How great will I become? What powers will I gain? What kind of miracles will happen? That is not, that is of no interest to the Vedantins and as much as he is just interested in knowing things as they are. <clears throat> knowing fully well with a conviction that what we call the problems what we call the cause for our sadness or whatever, even the need to know the miracles, even the need to have experiences itself, that very need itself is based on ignorance. And therefore when the ignorance goes, when our perception is right, then we become free from every need, including the need for miracles or the need for power or need for anything. So one becomes totally free from those needs. And therefore all along this text, will have our attention focused on the nature of truth. <coughs> so what is, what is known as the Dhyaropa superimposition was explained, Asarva Bhutayam Rajyavu Sarpavaropavat like superimposing a snake upon a rope which is totally free from the snake 
which has nothing to do with the snake or which is totally devoid of the snakeness. The robe which is totally devoid of snakeness. Upon that, upon robes such as that, superimposition of snake is called adhyaroba. And like also, vastuni avastvaropaha adhyaropaha, superimposition of avastu. Avastu means, vastu means reality. Avastu means unreality or false reality. So superimposition of false reality upon what is real, reality is totally devoid of unreality. So superimposition upon vastu, the truth, that which is false is called adhyaropa in this case. And the various terms employed in this definition in the passage 32 are subsequently explained by the author himself in the subsequent passages. says in the passage 33 on page 20 Vastu Satchidanandam Advayam Brahma Agnanadi Sakala Jadasamuha Avastu Vastu, what is reality or what is truth? Satchiranandam Advayam Brahma Vastu. The name of Vastu, the truth is, it is called Brahma. As I explained earlier, the word Brahma is derived from the root Bruch, which is in the sense of growth or bigness. So Brahma is that which is big, big without qualification, unqualified big. The bigness of which is no boundary at all. It's boundless big, meaning it is boundless, it is limitless. So Brahma also means limitless. Vastu, the truth is limitless. All right. Then what relevance does it have with our life? Satchidanandam. The Vastu, the truth is Sat. Sat means existence. Pure existence. Unqualified existence is called Sat. There's a sense of being. I am. That amness that I have. I am unqualified existence that I am so and so that I am a man or I am a woman or I am happy or I am unhappy these are man, woman, happy, unhappy are the qualifications attached to this I am <coughs> but such is pure existence and it will explain subsequently that which obtains in all the three periods of time is called Sat Trikale Vitishthadi it is Sat that which obtains in all the three periods of time is called Sat or existence. <clears throat> then also the truth is Chit. Chit means awareness. So Brahma or reality is Sat, meaning that which obtains in all the three periods of time, which means that which is beyond the limitation of time, which means that that which is even the basis of time. When we say that it is beyond the limitation of time, do not imagine something stretched out in time. Understand that it is free from the concept of time. Even time also has its basis in something. Time also has its basis in that which is timeless. As Einstein and other scientists told us, that this universe that we experience is, uh, the universe of three dimensions that we experience is a, a, rea a, a relative reality. Because it is changing, because it has standpoints, 
that this universe, when you observe from one standpoint, appears to be something. When you observe it from another standpoint, then it appears to be something else. So that which is subject to being different standpoints, that which appears different when looked at from different standpoints is called relative. This Einstein, another scientist showed, that when you observe this world at a given speed, then it appears having a certain configuration, and as the speed of the observer changes and the configuration also changes, that shows the configuration that you are perceiving is subject to the, the characteristic of the observer. And so world is what it is, only the way we are looking at it right now. So there is a certain frequency that the light has, and there is a certain frequency at which this observation is made. Our eyes are also uh, perceiving things in a certain way, and when the world is perceived that way, it appears like that. And if you somehow could acquire a different method of perception, then the world would look different. That shows that it is not absolute, it is relative. <coughs> but when you perceive something relative, then there must be something absolute. That is how, that is what led Einstein to look into what we call the, the, the theory of absolute, or to, to look, or to try to conceive that of which this reality is a projection. <coughs> As we said the other day, just as there is a man who is three-dimensional, he has height, weight, and, and, and depth, and the uh, reflection, I mean, the, the shadow of such a man on the wall has only two dimensions, the, the height and the breadth. The third dimension, the depth, is not perceptible in the shadow. And suppose you are only watching the shadow and trying to understand what is the nature of the man, you know, what difficulties you would have. You may be able to project something, but you can never see the depth. Suppose we have, our eyes were such that it could only see two dimensions, let us say. Suppose we had eyes which could, there are certain animals which can only see two dimensions. I think I was told that a horse is not able to see, uh, you know, a horse only can see straight, it seems. So there are certain animals which can only see partially. Suppose we were able to see only two dimensions, only height and width. Suppose we are not able to see the depth, how would the world appear to us? It will appear all flat, even though it has depth. How does the world appear in a photograph? Just flat. There is no depth visible there. How does the world appear in a shadow, only flat? Similarly also, at the moment we are able to see three dimensions, all right. But in fact, the reality is many dimensions, of which we are only able to see three dimensions. So Brahma means dimensionless, or infinite dimension. That's what it means. And so, when we say it is beyond time, it is not to be imagined within the realm of time, of which time also is a projection. <clears throat> so that which is even the witness of the time, of which the time also is projection, is called sat or existence. And this existence is not inert. This existence, that very sat is chit, that existence is awareful existence. It is existence which is awareness. So when you look at the chair, when you look at the table, we can appreciate the existence. But we think that the chair and the table and all these objects are inert. But the point is that existence is what? Existence itself is awareness. Existence itself is intelligence. So chit can be said to be awareness, it can be said to be intelligence. Existence is intelligent. Existence is not inert, unintelligent, it is intelligent. So imagine, understand that even the objects such as tables and chairs and all the things that we call inert, all of them exhibit exi manifest existence, which is intelligent existence. That's the reason why wherever existence is in this creation, we also find intelligence. That there is an atom which exists, there is intelligence there. That it obtains, it functions in an intelligent manner. 
There is a small little insect which enjoys existence, it is intelligent. There is a small plant which exists, it is intelligent. So whether things are inert or things are sentient or insentient, whatever they are, all of them exhibit existence. The hill is intelligent. A tree is intelligent. A road is intelligent. Everything that exists in the universe is existent and intelligently existent. That shows that intelligence is everywhere. And where can be intelligence? Intelligence can be there only when there is consciousness. Because intelligence always has its basis in a conscious being. And therefore, what is existent? Existence also is intelligence. And therefore, that also is awareness or consciousness. As you said, we always confuse consciousness with life. We always confuse consciousness with movement. And since so the chair and the table is not conscious of itself, in the manner that we understand consciousness, that it doesn't exhibit life, therefore we think it is inert and that the Atma or the Self is not there. But as we said, consciousness or awareness means intelligence. Whether a thing is sentient or not sentient has to do not with really the nature of it, to whether there is subtle body there or not. And in absence of subtle body, chairs and tables and such objects do not exhibit what we call movement or sentiency, but their existence, awareness, intelligence is very much there of the same order as it is in the body of human being. <coughs> Satchit Anandam. Further, what's the nature of Brahman or the reality? Anandam. Anandam also is Anandam. Anandam means without anta, without any limitation. So Anandam means without limitation which is full and complete. So ānanda also means fullness, completeness, happiness. So Brahma, the reality is self-existing, self-shining, and ānanda meaning full, complete. So it is self-fulfilled, self-complete, self-sufficient, self-existing, self-revealing. That's what is meant by Satchidānanda. So ānanda or happiness is what we are seeking. That's the reason why Brahman is what we are seeking. What we are seeking in our life is Brahman because each one of us is seeking Ananda, is happiness. As you said the other day, each one is seeking happiness. And what kind of happiness? Happiness which is unqualified. Each one is seeking unqualified happiness. Happiness which without any strings attached. That my happiness should be only, that it should occur only at a certain time, or that the happiness should occur only in a certain place, I do not want those limitations, I do not want those strings or conditions attached to my happiness. What I am seeking is unconditional happiness. And further, as I said, if I had my way, I am seeking happiness which is effortless happiness. That's what I would love. Effortless, unconditional happiness. That is what I am seeking. And that is called Ananda. So Ananda means happiness, which is unconditional happiness. Which is effortless happiness, which is uncreated happiness, because ananda also is sat or existence. So that happiness obtains. The happiness that we experience as a result of the contact with the sense objects is the happiness that is born. And therefore that is a happiness that goes away. It is not ananda. It is only a manifestation of ananda. But the happiness that we experience cannot be called ananda. What is ananda? Effortless happiness. Uncreated happiness, boundless happiness, meaning that happiness where even the duality of the experiencer and the experience does not remain. As long as there is a duality of the experiencer 
and what is experience and as long as there is an awareness of the duality so long there is a limitation because I am still separated from what I am seeking. So ananda is that happiness which is devoid of even the duality of the experiencer and the experience. It is that happiness which is effortless, which uncreated, undying, self-revealing, self-existing. That happiness is called ananda. So Brahma is satyam, jnanam, anandam or satchit anandam. In fact, any one word should have been enough. If they say Brahma is sat, that is enough. Chit is enough. Ananda is enough. But still so many words are used because we have our own concepts of what is meant by existence. We think existence is there, but it is inert. Therefore, we say it is chit. It, existence is not inert. It is intelligent existence. So we think that it existence there, intelligence there, all right, but I may have nothing to do with it. says, no, it is ananda. It is the nature of happiness, and that's what you're seeking. And I may think that, all right, there is this existence, there is an awareness, which is full and complete, but it is different from me. says, advayam, it is not different from you. Advayam, that which is devoid of any duality. What duality? Duality of the subject and the object, duality of the known and the known, or duality of the experiencer and the experience. That is called advayam. So here the author says, truth or the reality is Brahma, and Brahma is Sat, Chit, Anandam, Advayam. <coughs> this is the Vastu. And ultimately, this Brahma, which is Sat, Chit, Anandam, Advayam, where is it? When we look for this Brahma, where does it ultimately resolve into? It only turns out to be the Self. Brahman which Advayam or non-dual cannot be separate from myself. If Brahma or Ananda or happiness is separate from me, then there is always an effort involved in experiencing that Brahman. Brahman can be uncreated, it can be uncreated, it can be effortless only when it is a Self. So Brahma is none other than my own Self. That existence, intelligence, awareness, fullness, the non-duality is nothing but the nature of my own Self. And that is Vastu or that is reality. <coughs> Then what is avastu? Avastu, avastu means unreality. Now the false vastu is ajnana, this sakalajara samuha, avastu, avastu. Vastu word is neuter actually. So avastu, the unreality is ajnana, this sakalajara samuha. This samuha, this whole groove of things, host of things, ajnana, the beginning for ajnanam, sakalajara, the whole this, this whole, the host of these inner things beginning from ignorance right up to a stump of tree, right up to a blade of grass. Everything beginning from ignorance right up to a blade of grass. That whole group of inner things is called avastu, beginning from agnyanam. <coughs> Ajnanam itself will explain subsequently. And therefore, Ajnanam means ignorance. What is ignorance? The author himself will explain. So, avastu is, avastu means unreality or unreal, is everything beginning from ignorance, right up to all the products of ignorance. It will be shown how Ajnanam is the cause of the whole universe. 
ignorance is the fundamental cause. The primordial cause of the creation is ignorance. It is true that ignorance obtains, ignorance can be functional only when its basis is in Brahma or truth or in the Atma. So in that sense, in that sense Brahman should be considered the ultimate cause of the universe or the self or the Atma should be considered as the cause of the universe because that is the essence of the whole universe. But still, a question arises as to how Atma, how Brahman which is limitless, how can it be the cause of the universe? Why should this universe come into being? As we were saying the other day, if Brahman is full and complete, there is no, no scope of any desire in that which is complete. And therefore, and there cannot be any creation unless there is a desire. The Upanishad also describes, So kāmayata bahusyam prayāyayati That Atma or Brahman, it deliberated, that may I become many, bahusyam may I become many, prajāyaya, that, that let there be progeny. So how can desire of becoming many arise in Brahman which is full and complete and free from any lack? Because desire always manifests a lack. Brahman which is devoid of any lack. How can there be desire? So we say it, it cannot be explained. Nor does the Vedantin try to explain because this explanation would have been necessary had the world been real. But when can the desire arise? Desire can only arise when there is a sense of incompleteness, sense of inadequacy, a lack within myself. How can there be lack or inadequacy in myself? When I am full and complete, as the scriptures reveal, how can there be inadequacy in me? It can be only when there is ignorance. So ignorance of the true nature of myself makes me feel incomplete or inadequate, and from there arises a desire to become free from the inadequacy or incompleteness, and therefore a sense of bondage or incompleteness immediately creates a desire to be complete, desire to be free. So, as we said, the desire behind every desire is to become complete, desire behind every desire to become, is to become free, and this desire for becoming complete or desire for becoming free has its root where? In ignorance of the true nature of myself. And once the desire arises, then the thought arises, may I become, com that, that is the thought, may I become complete. And that thought alone becomes the whole universe. The first that is generated or created or manifested thought is called sankalpa, may I become many. And that thought, that sankalpa alone manifests itself as this whole universe, which is this tangible, solid universe that we are experiencing, is nothing other than created from that first thought. That first thought has the potential of all the thoughts in there. And each thought has a potential of an object. Because when there is an object such as a chair, then alone there can be a thought of the chair. See, you, you cannot separate the chair from the chair thought. So chair thought is a subtle form of the chair itself. So we say that the gross chair is a projection or is a manifestation of the subtle thought of the nature of chair. So chair first obtains in the form of a thought and then it obtains as a solid, tangible object that is called chair. So before anything is created, it must be first of all in the mind of the creator in the form of a thought. And before it manifests even as a tangible thought, it must have been what we call unmanifest. So first is unmanifest and then the manifestation of the thought and then the manifestation in the form of 
the solid tangible objects. This is how Vedanta describes the process of creation. The process of creation that the scientists describe is from the standpoint of energy. How in the beginning there was the highest level of energy and then it exploded and then slowly and slowly manifest, I mean, you know, formed itself into the form of this creation. Vedantins explain it differently that this tangible creation that we see in front of us or any creation that we see has to be in the form of a thought in the beginning. And that thought, which is a manifest thought, also has to be before that in unmanifest state. So that is the state of unmanifestation at the beginning. Then there is manifestation of the first thought, which is the potential of all the thoughts. And that is what we call the totality of all the subtle bodies. A thought is a subtle body. And this totality of the subtle body manifests itself in the form of the totality of all the gross bodies. So this gross universe, tangible gross universe of names and forms, before it became into this condition, this state, it was in a state of a sankal or a thought, which even before that was in a state of unmanifest. <coughs> so that is called agnanam ignorance. What we experience, all of this, is avastu. In short, whatever is experienced, whatever is perceptible, whatever is tangible, whatever is useful, all of that is what? Avastu or unreal? This is where the Vedantins differ from other people. As I said, you have to define, you, you have to be clear about your definitions. So, we are accustomed to taking this world as real because in our mind, what is real? That which is useful is real. And these objects therefore are useful, therefore they are real. This is how we understand them. But in short, here it says, whatever is useful, whatever is tangible, whatever with which you can transact, all of that is unreal. <coughs> so the criterion for reality is not usefulness. Criterion for reality is not because you experience something. Criterion of reality is not its tangibility. Criterion of reality is that it should be non-negatable, that it should, that it should remain what it is, that is called real. If a thing remains what it is, it is faithful, it is true to its nature, it never gives up its nature, then we would call it truth. But everything in the universe that we come across constantly changes, constantly gives up its nature, constantly presents itself to a different from what it was the previous moment. Moment to moment things are changing, that shows that it is not real. So understand what is unreal or what is real? The tangibility or the usefulness or the perceptibility are not the criterion to determine reality of a thing. What is satyam is abhaditam, that which cannot be negated, that which cannot be falsified, that which cannot be uh, dismissed or improved upon, that which does not change alone is called truth and nothing in the world that we come across fulfills this criterion of truth, only one thing fulfills that criterion and that is the Self, and that alone is Brahman. Self is ever there, cannot be denied, never changes, ever shining, ever obtaining, and therefore that alone is truth, everything other than the Self is untruth. <coughs> everything, why is it say everything? Because Ajnanam or ignorance is a primordial cause. It will say how tasmadva etasmadatmanah Akasha Sambhutaha. 
how from the atma and from the ignorance of the maya came the akasha, the space, then the air, then the fire, then the water, then the earth, how these five elements came into being, and how then subtle bodies were created from them, and how the tamas aspect of the elements underwent modifications and underwent mix, that there was a mixture, and how therefore we had the five gross elements, and how the whole gross universe was created, that they will describe a whole process of creation. It doesn't matter how the creation came about, really speaking. There is a model that Vedanta uh, takes up of what we call the five elements, and with the help of that model they describe the whole creation that we are experiencing, and it's a very good model. Somebody could take up some other model and explain the universe as we are experiencing it today. It doesn't matter really how the creation came into being, what is important is, what is the source of the creation? Ignorance is the source of creation. There will be no need for us to be here. There will be no need for this body, there would have been no need for anything if there was no ignorance. If you and I were complete beings, if you are free, we would not need anything. The very need is an expression of bondage or need is an expression of incompleteness and therefore it's an expression of ignorance. In knowledge there is no need at all. In freedom there is no need at all. It is freedom from all the needs. If there is no need, then what's the need for this universe? Because the universe came in response to our needs. The whole universe is created in response to our needs. Because I wanted to fulfill my desires. And therefore, the universe was necessary. And therefore, ignorance is the primordial cause of the whole. We were saying, you know, how just make one desire and you require the whole universe. Just one desire. I want a cup of coffee. One desire. And how for you to have a cup of coffee, God has to create the whole universe. Because you cannot have a cup of coffee otherwise. Because a cup of coffee is going to require milk and coffee and sugar and water. It's going to require a heater. It's going to require fuel. And so, for fuel he requires to make so many arrangements. For water some other whole system is required. For sugar something else is required. And thus, when you see the requirements... What all is required in order to have just one cup of coffee, you'll find out that you require the whole universe. So every desire requires a whole universe. You can say that this universe as it is created is in response to our needs. If you have no need, there will be no need of this universe also. And therefore, the whole universe is created because of the need or the desire, which alone is an expression, which again is an expression of ignorance. Therefore, Agnana, the beginning from ignorance, Sakala Jarasamoha, the whole universe of gross, the gross, subtle and causal universe, which falls in the category of jada or inert, avastu, that is, unreality, is also called mithya or unreal. <coughs> now, the author himself proceeds to explain what is meant by uh, agnyanam, say the next passage. Ajnananto Sadasadhyam Anirvachaniyam Trigunatmakam Jnana Virodhi Bhavarupam Yatkinchita Iti Vadanti Ahamagnyaha Ityade Anuhavat Devatma Shaktim 
Ajnanam too. However, ignorance is that two shabdaha matantare bhya vaishishtit devutanartha. Ignorance of Vedantins is ajnana is a technical word. Therefore, it is not the ignorance as we know it in our common parlance, but ignorance is a technical word and therefore the special definition that ignorance says in order to show that ignorance that we are talking about is something different from the way other people understand ignorance. Different people understand ignorance differently. The way we understand, we explain ignorance is different from the way other people understand ignorance. And therefore, to means however. It shows that our definition of ignorance is something different from the definition of understanding of ignorance other people have. Just to show the distinction of the ignorance that we are defining here. Ajnanam tu sad asadhyam Anirvachaniyam. It is Anirvachaniyam. Anirvachaniyam is what? That which cannot be described. Cannot be described. Nirvachana. Nirvachana means definition. Anirvachaniyam. That which cannot be defined. That which cannot be defined or that can which cannot be described is Ajnanam. So ignorance cannot really be described or ignorance cannot be defined. <clears throat> there are other thinkers, like the Nanyayikas or logicians, who explain ignorance, they define ignorance also. And they find faults with us, that look, you fellows are not able to define ignorance. We say that the fact that we do not define, we cannot define ignorance, is really not a problem. It is in fact not a dushanam, but bhushanam. So, Ajnanam is called Anirvachaniyam, that which cannot be defined, which cannot be categorized as such and such. So, what are the two categories that can be defined? Sat and Asat. Sat means that which is real or existent, and Asat is that which is non-existent. Sat means existence or existent, Asat is that which is non-existent. Ajnanam or ignorance cannot be said to be existent, nor can we say to be non-existent. Ignorance can be neither of them. <coughs> How do we say that? Look at the world, which is a product of ignorance. Let us first look at the snake, you know, which is a product of ignorance. So let us take a look at this rope snake. As we know very well, that the snake is projected there because of the ignorance of the rope. And therefore, the cause of the snake is the ignorance of the rope. What is the nature of reality of the draw, of the snake? Is the snake there or is the snake not there? Is it possible for us to really define, yes, snake is there? You cannot say the snake is there because had it been there, everybody would perceive it. If the snake were really there, everyone would have perceived the snake. The fact that other people do not perceive the snake. Or even I also do not perceive a snake there when there is broad daylight that shows that I cannot say that the snake is there. Would you say the snake is not there? That also I cannot say. I cannot say the snake is not there. Because had it not been there, I would not perceive it. 
If the snake were really there, everyone would perceive it at all the times. And I also would perceive it at all the times if the snake were really there. But even I do not perceive it all the times because when the torch light is shown there, the snake is no more there. Or even when I am perceiving a snake there, there are some other people who do not perceive the snake there, that shows that you cannot say that the snake is. <coughs> At the same time, I cannot say that the snake is not. Had it not been there, I would not have perceived it. Had it not been there, I would not have felt all the feeling that I'm experiencing, like all the fear, etc., that has happened, you know, that I experienced, that would not have been if the snake were not there. So you cannot say that the snake is not there. You cannot say that. You cannot say the snake is, nor can you say the snake is not there. So what will you say? <laughs> There's no third category. We only know these two categories. Our mind, that's why this binary thing, you know, this or that. Our mind can only conceive of these two nature, two degrees of things, or two degrees of reality. Something is or something is not. You cannot say that something is as well as it is not because it is contradictory. It is not possible for a thing to be simultaneously to be there and not to be there. Because the, to, to be there and not to be there are mutually exclusive. And therefore a thing cannot be simultaneously existent as well as non-existent because being existent and being non-existent are mutually exclusive. And therefore a thing cannot possess these two attributes simultaneously. So we cannot say that the snake is and still not there. You can't say that. Because the thing cannot be, cannot be and still not be there. You cannot say the snake is because if it is then everybody would see it. And I would see it at all the times. And you cannot say the snake is not there because had it not been there I would not have perceived it. And I would not have been afraid and everything else. So what will you say about the snake? You cannot say anything about this. You, you say something and you are wrong. You say it is, and somebody says, no, it is not there, I don't say it. It is not, I would say it is there because I say it. Is there and is not there simultaneously, it cannot be because. And you yourself think, is it possible for you to perceive a thing and not perceive it at the same time? No. You cannot perceive a thing and not perceive it at the same time. Either you can perceive or not perceive, and therefore, that the snake is and not there, both of these, these contradictory attributes cannot be simultaneously there and therefore the snake is anirvachaniya, meaning it just cannot be defined. It is, it just does not fall in any category that we know of. We know only two categories of things, things that are and things that are not. I know that a pot is not there on the table. I know that there is no elephant here. I know that there are no horns on my head. I am very clear about it. These things are not there. I know that the head is there, I know the table is there, I know that chair is there and whatever. So is and is not. These are the two categories with which we are familiar, with about which our mind can grasp. The snake cannot be grasped by our mind. It's a brilliant illustration. And this world, whole world also falls in the same category. We do not say that the world is a snake. But the kind of reality that this rope snake has is the kind of reality that the world has. So world also is what? Anirvachaniyam. You cannot say that the world is, nor can you say that the world is not. 
सचेत न बाध्यत असचेत न प्रतियत इन संस्कृत सचेत हेड इन रियल और बिन देर न बाध्यत इट कैन नेवर बी निगेटेड इट शुड ऑलवेज बी देर असचेत न प्रतियत हेड इट नॉट बिन देर इट शुड नेवर बी देर बट इट इज परसिव इन देर यू कैनोट से इट इज नॉट देर इज अ वर्ल्ड देर वर्ल्ड इज देर इट आई शुड ऑलवेज बी एबल टू परसीव इट इट शुड ऑलवेज रिमेन अ मैटर ऑफ माई एक्सपीरियंस इफ इट इज देर बट वेन आई एम फैस्ट स्लीप दिज नो वर्ल्ड देर वेन आई विद्रॉन माई माइंड इन सेंस ऑर्गन फ्रॉम द ऑक्यूपेशन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड आई डोंट परसीव एनी वर्ल्ड एट ऑल सो परसेप्शन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड इज सब्जेक्ट टू द फंक्शनिंग ऑफ द सेंस ऑर्गन परसेप्शन ऑफ द वर्ल्ड इज सब्जेक्ट टू फंक्शनिंग ऑफ द माइंड एंड वेन द सेंस ऑर्गन आर नॉट फंक्शनिंग एज इन ड्रीम I am uh, even the gross world. I don't perceive, and when the mind does not function as in the deep sleep, even the subtle world also I don't perceive. And therefore, please tell me, do I perceive the world because it is there, or the world is because I perceive it? For example, our dream. Would you say that the dream objects are there and therefore I perceive them, or? that i perceive and therefore the dream objects are there in the dream the objects are experienced is it because they are there or because i see them and therefore they are there because they are created and therefore i see or that i see and therefore they are created in the dream it is not that the objects are there and that you see similarly also in a waking state Are these the world, the waking world? Is it there and therefore I am seeing it, perceiving it, or because I am perceiving it and therefore the world is? Is the world there and therefore I perceive, or is the world a projection of my mind? Just as the dream world is a projection of my mind, and as long as the mind is functioning, so the dream world is. When the mind goes to sleep, the dream world also disappears, and so also as long as the mind is functioning, so the waking world is. And when the mind is not functioning, even the waking world also is not. And therefore, we cannot say that what we call the waking world or this the, the world that we perceive is there or is real. Had it been real, had it really been there, then it should ever appear the same at all the periods of time to everyone in all the states, the waking, dream, or deep sleep state, to you, me, and everyone, and to me also at all times and all places, the world should appear the same. But it does not appear; it is constantly changing its form. it presents itself in different forms depending on my own standpoint that shows that world is not real as it appears the snake is not real as it appears there is something real there the unreal of the false snake would not appear had some real object not been there so the rope is but the snake is not real an unreal snake cannot be perceived only when unless there is a real object such as rope there <coughs> so this and you cannot say that the world is not there either because we experience it every day and it's, it, you know we cannot say world is not there it's a matter of our experience it causes us pleasure and pain it is subject it is something that counts every moment to us it has a real impact on me just as a snake has a real impact on me and therefore i'm shivering looking at the snake and so so the world has a real impact upon me that i i experience a pleasure and pain and comfort and discomfort and all and dishonor and happiness and unhappiness on account of coming in contact with the world so i cannot say the world is not there 
So neither can I say that the world is not there because I experience it, nor can I say that the world is because I do not experience it the same way. So the world is, the reality of the world is comparable to the reality of that snake. Understand that the illustration of rope snake is given merely for us to analyze the nature of reality and not in, not to uh, present some kind of a theory of creation or present some kind of a mechanism there of how the snake came about. The rope snake example is given to us merely to understand the nature of reality. What is the nature of reality of a snake? We call it unreal, mithya or false, meaning you cannot categorize it as is or is not. Just for us to understand that is this illustration of rope snake given to us. <coughs> We can ask questions. Why do you see rope and not an elephant? Because there is some similarity between rope and the snake. And why do you see the rope? Because you have seen a rope in the past. And there, uh, a snake. So why do you see a snake? Because you had in the past experienced a real snake. And therefore you see the snake today. These things are all immaterial. Because the illustration of rope snake is only confined to determining or understanding the reality of the snake. <coughs> so this world as we come across is anirvachaniyam, it cannot be defined. And this is very clear to us today, even as from what the scientists also tell us that, you cannot define a thing. A thing is what it is, based on a given standpoint. And, ultimately, when you increase the speed of that atom, or that particle, it vanishes. Meaning, it gets transformed into what is known as energy. So the scientists also tell us that, what we call this tangible world is nothing but the manifestation of the energy and therefore world is not real as it appears to be. So with the present scientific understanding, it is quite easy for us to understand that the world is unreal, that it is not what it appears to be. Something is there, but not what it appears to be. When we see the snake, something is there, but not the way we see it or not what we see. So also when we see the world, something is there, but not what we see. Sadasadhyam anirvachaniyam And therefore, ajnanam or ignorance, which is the cause of the creation also is anirvachaniyam. And the effect is anirvachaniyam. The effect cannot be categorized. The cause or ajnanam or ignorance from which the whole creation has come about, that also is anirvachaniyam. Ignorance also is the same. And often for the word ajnanam, they use the word avidya. Sometimes they use the word maya. Although in this particular text, the word ajnanam and maya are, have a different, have different connotations. But very often, the word maya and the word ajnanam and the word avidya, all of them are used as synonyms. Sometimes they are used to, dif- to denote different connotations. But ignorance is the original cause and when the effect so therefore we say, when the snake cannot be categorized as is or is not, the cause of the snake, namely ignorance also, is anirvachaniyam, indefinable. Similarly, world also cannot be defined, and so also the, uh, the cause of the world, namely ajnanam also, is anirvachaniyam, or cannot be defined, cannot be categorized. So ajnanam is called sadasadhyam anirvachaniyam. This is an expression which has become very famous, sadasadhyam anirvachaniyam. That which cannot be defined as sat or asat. Sat asadhyam. So either it cannot be defined as either sat or asat. 
is or is not existent or not existent. This is baffling. And therefore we are always baffled by this. And our inability to to understand this concept of anirvachaniyatvam or undefinability constantly bring in questions. In our mind the questions come up again and again and again. Why this is like that and why this is not like that? Because this anirvachaniyatvam or the indefinability is not something understood by us. So anyway, clearly we understand the concept of mitya. Clearly we understand the nature of the problem. That if the, the ignorance is mitya, the world is mitya, the problem also is mitya. Therefore you hear the Swami saying, or therefore Lord Krishna says, Ashochyananda Suchastvam, you are grieving for no reason at all because there is no cause for grief. That you are coming, you think that there are so many problems in life, this is all not right because there are no problems. A problem is mitya or again anirvachaniya. <coughs> so, first characteristic or definition of anirvachaniya is sadasadbhyam anirvachaniyam. It is that which cannot be defined or categorized as sat or asat. Then, trigunatvakam gnana virodhi bhavarupam yat kinchit iti vadanti iti ityadi anubhavat. Then further aspects of this ajnana or ignorance are also given by the teacher here. And we spend some time with these things because these are very important concepts to be understood. And more clearly we understand this, more clearly we will understand Vedanta, meaning more clearly we will understand life. Understanding Vedanta is understanding life. And so you also spend some time on this. Spend some time at home and try to review the discussion that we have and see that the things are clear to you because if these things are clear, then alone everything, other things are matters of detail. These are the very fundamental concepts upon which then everything is built. And so, more as clearly we understand this, so clear we will be about what we are doing. <coughs> Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavantau Punaf Punaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om